0: Well, good day. I'm Mark Sylvester, ambassador of 805 Connect, and your host for this 805 Conversation, where we talk to fascinating people you'll want to know better. Our show is sponsored by PullString Press. Thanks to Patrick for partnering with 805 Connect and providing this great studio for these podcasts. Welcome, Patrick.
1: Hi, Mark. Nice to see you.
0: The 805 Connect project is supported by partners and sponsors throughout the region. We want to thank them as well. More information on our partners at 805connect.com. In fact, today we have our first partner with us, Mike Manchek, with the Economic Vitality Corporation of San Luis Obispo. Welcome, Mike.
2: Thank you, Mark. I'm so glad here. you're
0: here. Mike, what's your actual title?
2: Uh, president and CEO of the Economic Vitality Corporation.
0: How, how long has the, uh, we'll call it EBC, um, how long has the EVC been around, Mike?
2: Well, it, uh, this year, in 2015, we're celebrating 21 years. Wow. And, yeah, and it's the only countywide economic development organization in the county of San Luis Obispo. and actually predates um, similar organizations uh, throughout the region.
0: So, 21, and how long have you been there, Mike?
2: I've been on uh, going on 10 years, actually, this year.
0: Wow. And now, Mike, how long have you been in the region?
2: Uh, well, I actually grew up in um, overseas, but then spent much of my young life uh, in the Tri-County. So I've been uh, I'm somewhat of a native, I suppose you'd say.
0: Grew up overseas. This is something new. You haven't told me. Where'd you grow up?
2: Uh, born in Madrid, Spain, and lived in Asia for about nine years, in Singapore Malaysia.
0: Oh my God! Okay, so we have a whole nother podcast we have to do because I want to. I want to. Those are early days. I would love to explore your food history and how your food tastes. People who are listening know I'm. A, I'm a chef, a recovering chef, I should say. That's right. uh, my favorite so, subject. So I'm so I'm so interested in how people's palates are developed uh, at mm. an early age, and so uh, we'll save that one. So, uh, Mike, you know. Uh, one of the reasons we're even here today with eight o five Connect and doing this project is because of a of a conversation you and I had now, oh nineteen twenty months ago. one i'd I'd love to hear the conversation from your point of view of what happened.
2: Well, uh, at that time, the EVC was attempting to embark on the development um, of a resource. By which people can better connect, people can find each other uh, in order to, re- to keep B2B commerce within a region. Uh, and so that people know what goods and services are available within their within the region, right. um, as opposed to buying them from far, far away and then le- leaking those dollars from out to outside the area. And we, for um, a long time, probably over a year, we worked with our partners on our economic strategy in our cluster uh, for knowledge and innovation to research um, any available research that are out there. Long story short, there were very few resources that, that would work for us, we thought, and that were truly effective. And um, uh, I found you, actually, through a um, conversation that um, the Senator um, Annabeth Jackson was having in South County, and recall when I lived in Santa Barbara, you were quite the icon of the technology world there with, um, Alias Wavefront. And right. I remember, uh, the, the company you had started, Intro Networks, and how exciting that was. So I connected with you, and I think from then on we just started talking about how do we, how do we create something that is, could be replicated for other regions anywhere in the country, or the world for that matter, to better connect people. So I'm uh, very excited that you've done that, Mark. Um, it's working. It's growing, and I'm very excited about the prospects for its future.
0: It is, a, well, Michael. Thank you for that. It um, this project is is live and organic and is changing. the The mission hasn't changed, but I think the focus changes uh, as we learn more. One of the things that's been great is this podcast and the the idea of being a catalyst for conversation and talking about not necessarily issues, but things that are generally of interest to the types of businesses we have in the region, which I think is unique. I wanted to talk to you about that a bit, because the more I've learned about San Luis Obispo, and I've got to say it's usually I was just driving through my whole life, but for the last year and a half, I've really learned quite a bit. Tell us, kind of give us the people, the person who's listening, uh, kind of the 411 on maybe the major industries up in uh, San Luis Obispo?
2: Well, so uh, much like Santa Barbara, uh, you have the county is the same name as one of its largest cities. So when people talk about San Luis Obispo, um, I often refer to it as the the region or the county as a whole, as opposed to just the city of San Luis Obispo. So having said that, much like Santa Barbara also, Most of the population is in the middle um, or in the the city uh, of San Luis Obispo, or in your case, Santa Barbara. But this resource and our conversation and and our focus and interest is really about the broader picture, casting as wide a net as possible, and then ultimately, as you know, bringing in our neighboring counties and creating a a really robust network. But the county is back to the county of San Luis Obispo. It is a, uh, a a relatively large geographic area with a relatively small population. The the, the geographic area is as large as Santa Barbara County, roughly, but the population is um, about half the size, so it's about 275,000 residents. Um, We are, as a county, um, as most, most people know, many people discovered either through Cal Poly because they attended or even fewer people are from here. But often people, I find, that discover the area by way of just Traveling there in their car, going up or down the coast, sure. And it was, and it is exactly equidistant between San Francisco and LA. So oh, is it? Yeah, pr- down to the mile. So huh. as it would, as it turns out, it would be convenient for people to, as I did, and probably you did, is you'd stop and sort of pull over and get gas, sure. and you'd, Keep going. Well, as it turns out, um, things have changed over the years with the county's economy and its history relative to our economy and our business community. So it was a. It was, much like much of the country in the state, it, back in the day, it was very agricultural, uh, which is still a very large industry here. What then grew out of that was tourism, which is arguably one of our largest industries. As like it is in what, like
0: wine county. tours and things like that?
2: Yeah. Well, even before wine. I mean, wine only, you know, um, 275 wineries. is the third largest wine producer in the state.
0: 207? Hold it, hold it. 275 wineries?
2: Yeah, I think it's two or 290, I think it is, or something. Just shy of 300. Wow. But it's the third largest producer of wine and wine grapes in the state of California um, after Sonoma, and then number one is Napa. And so I think there's something like 45,000 acres of grapes that are grown here. Um, and we did a wine study that sort of provided some metrics around that. But back to the what makes up the county's economy, it was then first agriculture, sort of then tourism. What then came is a, a host of food-based businesses that many people actually are aware of, like Jamba Juice started here, San really? Luis um, Spice Hunter, a, a bunch of food-based companies, were, which were then sort of came the next wave was technology and engineering. And that's the wave we're currently in. So we've got a lot of sort of well-known companies for which the customers are really not in this county. Um, you talk about companies like MindBody that just went public. Right. It very very few of the customers are here probably, um, but they have customers all over the world. So the the difference between the businesses in this county versus our neighboring counties and other counties throughout the state is that we're geographically somewhat remote and. While that's an advantage in a lot of ways or and it, it helps your quality of life, in some ways it provides a challenge to business by being remote. But the businesses here adapt and they actually excel in being remote by way of focusing where their customers are, which are elsewhere. And so the technology and engineering firms that are here um, are growing. Um, and I think part of the, the driver of that is, Cal Poly graduates that are very, um, you know, it's still like one of the number one engineering colleges or universities in the country. And then, of course, the, the quality of life here, which people like. It's, um, it's fairly laid back, but it's a beautiful environment, and there's not a lot of people here. So it has a plus-plus a on that. But with Cal Poly being a real economic engine of the, of the area, it has, the Cal Poly of today is not apparently what it was back in the day. Um, Cal Poly now is um, apparently one of the m- most difficult univ- public universities to get into in the really? West. And it's, and its emphasis on um, engineering and technology is such that it is now the cream of the crop for many of the technology companies in Silicon Valley. So many of these students, most of the students leave once they graduate. But that's starting to change because they're starting to understand who is here. So,
0: so there's... So I'm I'm thinking of uh, what do they call it the brain drain? You know, you've got the students they come, they maybe uh, come from out of the area. They go to Cal Poly. They discover this idyllic location, and they say, "How could I stay here?" I've I've got to imagine that companies like Google and Facebook and you know the Valley have have uh, desks parked in the recruiting office over there at Cal Poly. Uh, and they're getting those people, um, what are local businesses doing to be attractive to those grads and keep them in the region?
2: Oh, That's a, that's a really excellent question. So we actually had a meeting of about 15 technology company CEOs as it one of the first of several meetings to address this issue of talent, of retaining and attracting right. um, engineering technology talent. And when I go and do talks at Cal Poly, I'm still amazed that many of the students are not aware of the fact that Adobe has an office in this county, Amazon has a growing office in this county, and then there's a host of other technology companies that were started here that are, may not be a household name but have equal opportunities um, are here. So I think in some cases, and this is not um, this is not an unusual uh, challenge throughout the nation, but you know, the students and the companies sometimes are like two ships in the night. They're, they're the one, they're not going to find each other uh, unless there's things um, that we can do to help promote that. And we do. So we've since started a, a, a job fair for local companies only. Oh. Um, and so that, so the, these students that graduate realize that, wow, okay, only the companies that are here locally, whether or not they're headquartered here, um, uh, they could stay here and work here. Now, What's also happening, which is very interesting, is the the, the compensation or pay scale is actually evolving here, um, much like in Santa Barbara County and Ventura. In, in some cases, the pay scales are lower, and then the then the employment data proves that, in fact, in some cases, the the uh, throughout the tri-counties, the um, we are in certain pockets below the median right. average wage throughout the state of California, which is not good. But that doesn't Paint a perfect picture because the reality is that we have a lot of technology jobs and a lot of great companies and so there's many jobs here that are very high pay, high pay scales. However, when companies like Amazon come into town um, and they have apparently one of the, the uh, fastest or their most successful office to recruit new talent is here amongst all their offices throughout the nation uh, which is very exciting. Um, they pay the same scale as does, as do they pay in Silicon Valley, um, as do other companies here as well. So that's a that's a win-win for a, a, someone who's looking for a job. However, the challenge, and lastly, is the challenge is that um, in recruiting uh, to a job, whether in Santa Barbara or in San Francisco, is the person who, who comes from a bigger metro area will ask, well, what else is there if right. that job right. doesn't work out? Right. And they're in Goes back to this issue of who's here and how do you inform people.
0: So let me riff off uh, something you were talking about earlier, which was you know retaining the businesses here and helping to grow them. I, I, I love this the uh, idea of Jamba Juice starting there and Spice Hunter. I have those products who are well known. What are you doing, or is there a role for the EVC in attracting business to the region? Is that something that's on your radar?
2: Well, it it is, and and I should go back to then perhaps some background on the EVC. So in economic development, uh, which is really a term that, um, depending who you are and where you're from, it could mean different things, but ultimately it it means providing resources – to help start and grow businesses, okay, um, and also attract businesses in in areas um, like the Tri Counties, where the cost of living is relatively high, and the cost of the cost of living or real estate is also very high, um, that poses more of a challenge for attracting. So the businesses that are here or that move here tend to be businesses that. Um, they are not looking for the least expensive place to open up, let's say, a big factory. They're really more of a smaller business that has higher wage-scale jobs that is looking for that balance of quality of life and access to talent. And so that's our sweet spot, as it is up probably in the tri-counties. Um, so you're selling that's quali- that quality to of address. life. Sorry?
0: Selling quality of life.
2: So we we tend to then focus on growing and starting businesses and and the resources around that as opposed to focusing much on attracting. However, in the last couple of years when the economy has done better, that's I think the time where we have spent more energy in talking to companies from outside the area that may be interested in opening an office here or moving their entire office. But it's, it's really, throughout the tri-counties, it's, as, as most people know, it's a place where people, they want to have to be there as opposed to looking at strictly the numbers and what's going to be the most cost-effective thing. Ultimately, one can pencil it out by saying if you can attract talent, certainly the cost of living here is less than in the Bay Area. And that is also now becoming um, increasingly so a focus of opportunity for the region because the cost of living has just gone through the roof in Silicon Valley and sure. in the city of San Francisco, so it's becoming, una- housing is almost becoming unattainable in the Bay Area, where here it's relatively inexpensive.
0: What's the um, what's the rental situation up there in uh, San Luis like? Right now, it's uh, what is it
1: point oh? What is it, Patrick? Point oh six percent vacancy. Right.
2: Yeah. So so we have a, a very low vacancy of commercial um and because there's not been a lot of development here and the development that did happen was often custom. So hmm. MindBody, Body, Rosetta, Razorfish, um many companies actually just had a building built for themselves. Got it. But there's less of um less of vacancy now since the economy has come back um in the market. As for residential, um Notwithstanding my comment previously about being more affordable than the Bay Area, it is still an area for which is considered one of the least affordable mm. in the nation. And by that, is not the most expensive, but relative to median income and median home price, there's a big gap there. So that's something that the EDC is actually working very hard on with its clusters um, on what we call workforce housing, which is not by definition affordable housing meaning for low income it's the it's the middle housing for everyone right, else right and that's something that um, all of the tri counties struggle with they have struggled with it for years and yes. they will likely continue to struggle with this issue for which is likely to be a a speed bump for our county's economy
0: so mike is it fair to say that while you're not thinking about attracting businesses the businesses have to think about attracting outside talent. So making the area attractive, part of that word, um, and viable as a destination to get someone to move from a Boulder or a St. Louis or it's a middle manager, whoever it is that you're uh, recruiting. How do you help a company in that regard?
2: Well, that, that's a great question. So, and there's several elements there. Um, in terms of helping a company, which really goes to the heart of your question, I think, the companies basically will have a checklist. And they need to know, does an area have all of the elements of, of things that it needs to thrive there? And those might include such specific things as broadband, and then it might include such things as schools, education, you know, crime, housing costs, and, and the, availability, the availability of their workforce. And and that is a big range there as well. So we tend to focus on helping companies that we think uh, would want to be here as opposed to competing with large businesses that otherwise wouldn't move here. And by doing so, we have a an intimate conversation about what it is that they need, what they're lacking or needing, and we try to basically just give them a very honest um, we have a very honest conversation about what we offer, what we don't, and how maybe we can help. Um, and from there, we continue to talk about, you know, things that they need, and act as a conduit between local government, whether a county or a city, and the cor- and the organization to see if they have what they need. Whether it's, for instance, space available to build a building, vacancy um, of an existing building, and that sort of thing.
0: What when you're having that conversation and you're eating at one of the wonderful cafes up there and you're talking with that CEO or the person who's making the decision, what is that, what is the thing that you say that when you're looking at them, you just sold it and then you shut up? What is that thing?
2: You know, uh, there's, there's several things that are discussed for which I think this area has a competitive advantage. And, you know, the the usual suspects, if you will, are things like education, schools for their kids, and and low crime. And, um, you know, that's less obvious. Um, The the obvious ones are access to Cal Poly talent, because that's a a national commodity that's well-known. But I think what is an eye-opener is to remind people that are not from here who are living in a, in a large metro area, such as the Bay Area or, or Southern California, is is something they don't often think about, which is how little time they will spend in their car commuting, <laughs> right. Right. and how that translates into quality of life, you know, time with their kids, or you know, um, and how one can get around the county pretty easily because the traffic is 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 pretty pretty light. Um, There's only, that I can think of, at 5 o'clock, there's one area that always jams up on the freeway. But besides that, there's really not much throughout the county. So you can get from one end of the county to the other Mm. with very little traffic and sitting in your car. And the people that live here say they kind of enjoy those commutes, um, as to why. Um, So that's an eye-opener, I think, for a lot of people, because they start to translate, they start to compute that into value, time is money, if you will, right. and how they could at lunchtime go pick up their kids or do something like that and be back at the office, mm. where in the Bay Area, that would be virtually impossible. And I think in those metros, as is in all the way down to San Diego, the traffic situation is actually something that is seeing is worsening, but I think many people point to a recovering economy. Right. I tend to think, it yes, but there's also an issue of infrastructure. We have more cars on the road, more people, right. and the infrastructure hasn't really changed all that much. So I don't think it's just the fact that businesses are doing better and the economy is doing better. But I think this is an issue that it's a national issue, for which we should all be mindful of, which is infrastructure. You know, the infrastructure is not getting cheaper. It's not getting easier. And if we don't look at things like that, kind of, sort of going back to your question, um, we're going to be, the, the region will be uncompetitive uh, up and down the coast on all three counties.
0: Well, infrastructure is not a sexy topic that any of the polls want to talk about, right?
2: Well, it's not, but, you know, it includes things that are less than obvious. It includes things like the airport. Um, we, we are very active with our local airport. It's been thriving. Hmm. Um, in an environment, by the way, that where other airports throughout the West have either closed or have much of their service reduced, even neighboring airports. So we know how important that is, especially in a county that is, as I said before, relatively remote. Uh, you have to have good air service, and we and we do, and we're getting more, and we're working hard to do that.
0: You talked about, you've said remote five times, I'm keeping track, mm-hmm. and uh, one of the things through this 805 Connect project that I've learned is that there is a vibrancy to the business community and what you folks are doing in that region that I, I haven't felt as strongly in other conversations, and I was trying to understand that myself, and it felt like because you were remote and have always been remote, you've had to become very self-reliant. Is that mm-hmm. a fair statement?
2: Completely fair. and In fact, I would go so far as to say that I think the region sometimes considers itself an, and, and, and and perfectly fine with the fact that we're sort of the underdog. right? We're not a big area. Um, we're not Silicon Valley, and nor do we want to be. But I think that also makes us Hunker down and be more competitive, and sort of get things done. Where I see in other areas, I see people fighting more. I see government fighting with business more. Um, I, I see that, you know getting away from anecdote. I mean, in our in, in our economic strategy clusters, in the beginning, as one would expect, that the businesses were sort of reluctant to bring uh, government to the table right. to talk about some of these issues and ideas and challenges and opportunities, now, fast forward five years for this economic strategy, now they're welcomed. The business community welcomes lo- local government because it's been a platform by which people can work together to resolve challenges. Do you think and, that's and, one and of
0: the successes of the EBC, that it's not a government organization?
2: Yes. It, by design, it's a nonprofit, and, and it's a, also a public-private partnership, which may, really means that we get involvement participation and, and, and financial support from both the business community and local government uh, so everyone's in but we have to share um, we have to share our platform if you will with everyone's concerns and challenges and opportunities but ultimately this is driven by the business community and I think the government local governments is perfectly happy with that so, so the EDC's agenda is really about helping the local economy which means that you have to work with businesses.
0: So in the last year and a half, I've, I've got to meet, you've introduced me to lots of people, had lots of really interesting conversations. And what you just said made me wonder, uh, answer this question, how is what you're doing different than what the Chamber of Commerce does?
2: Well, we're different in a way that for, uh, economic development organizations and Chambers of Commerce are, are, are pretty different in a way that, they focus on the economy or the business community, but where I think that, and I can only speak for the EDC, is where we I think we differ from, uh, and we have many chambers in this county. We sure. They are sure. a, a, a sponsor in kind of our organization, and we are there. So we're, we partner on things. We work together on many things. But I think where, where we differ is that we, we provide the resources to help start and expand the businesses Um as opposed to an advocacy organization like Chambers can be or are. Um, Chambers are very important, um, but we don't do the same thing, and we don't overlap. And we, by design, we we tend to try to work together on things um, where our strong suits are.
0: And that's part of the kind of the collaborative culture that is in that whole region. Wouldn't you agree?
2: I would say so. Yes. Yeah. Very much so.
0: So, Mike, I want to shift focus a little bit. I'm I'm really interested in your story. Um, I won't ask about food choices in uh, Southeast Asia, um, though I'm really fascinated by that. What was it that got you started on this path? You said uh, it's been 10 years. Uh, what got you started in this area of economic development, uh, nay, uh, community service?
2: Well... I think that, um, I think I was, from, from a young age even, seeing in other parts of the world how people struggle hmm. more than they do here in this country. Hmm. And, and so even, in, I think at a young age, I was enthralled with Mohammed um, uh, Yunus, who, who started um, the, uh, the micro-lending concept. In, in India actually and how you know pennies can make a difference if you could lend a little bit of money to someone they could be self-sufficient and how that changes lives and, and if you change lives you go to my other passion which is the environment and that the environment improves if people can feed themselves the, the environment in anywhere in the world is worse in where they're, they're they can't feed themselves mm-hmm. where they're not making mm-hmm. a living so you can't have one without the other and you know in a country I think that uh, like ours, which is very rich in resources, um, people lose sight of the fact that most of the world isn't, and how um, the world as we know it in this country and elsewhere is becoming more entrepreneurial. So as we all know, you know, um, back in the day when someone worked for one company all their life, that doesn't really exist much as much anymore. Um, and therefore people don't have that guarantee of a lifetime job, and therefore... Many are seek self-employment, as you have, Mark, Sure. And, and therefore hire people, create jobs. And then ultimately, that's economic development, I think, um, which is all about making a community stronger by way of making its business community stronger. So you cannot have one without the other. It's impossible. Um, you can't have a healthy community without any jobs. Um, and the kinds of jobs. People often talk, economists talk about unemployment rates, which is, by their measure, it's fairly bogus um, in the way that unemployment is <laughs> measured, and and they most economists just hate how unemployment is measured, and it's true, um, but it's as good as we got in terms of measuring something. However, it doesn't measure the quality of jobs as opposed to the number of jobs, and in a world environment where um, the world is becoming far more, as um, as a famous author said, you know, the world is becoming more flat it's becoming much, much more competitive with the internet speeds where we can achieve now or obtain uh, you can do business virtually anywhere. Sure. Um, and people do. And as are we right now on this phone call? And so, um, I think about people like businesses here, like I fix it and how going back to my, my interest, I mean, Kyle wines who started the company is created a, a technology company which has really grown and is probably it the name of that company is in the Wall Street Journal more than any company in this county. But he's also at the same time helping people around the world who can't feed themselves, who are trying to scrap a living together just to feed their family. And at the same time, he's helping the environment. So I think that, you know, having worked for one of the largest banks in the world and seeing what money can do, I've also seen that as my, um, I have a one of my favorite um, mentors is, I uh, uh, never met him, but is uh, uh, a uh, physicist at Caltech, uh, Richard P. Feynman. And, and, and he has a saying about um, quantum physics, which goes back to economic development, which is, his saying was, there's a lot of room on the bottom, hmm. meaning there's a lot of opportunity for little things to make good, for um, to measure little things and to provide fuel for little things that ultimately become bigger things. Um, and I that's really stayed with me. So I think that if you can, you know, the EVC has had its own loan program for many, many years. We since don't have that because it's, uh, the federal government stopped funding things like that. But in, for many years, the EVC funded microloans to people that were trying to eke out a living and then all of a sudden created a business and, and hired people and not only fed themselves but then helped, you know, make a living for lots of people. And I saw the power of that, and it really was the, the, the model that was used by Muhammad Yunus in micro-lending in India, which is the same thing. Um, there are people that need to start a business that have no experience or education in that business, and therefore they're not bankable, meaning to say a bank will not lend them money, whether because of credit or other reasons. So, so therefore the power of micro-lending is incredibly powerful.
0: So, Patrick, I know you had a small business here in town on Your Town podcast, and I think there was something about a micro-loan. What was that? Yeah,
1: Steve Soria of Makesmith uh, went through Kiva, uh, KivaZip.org. I think it's KivaZip.org. Kiva is the larger micro-lending organization. They've been able to expand their company now twice. Uh, one with a $5,000 loan and one with a $10,000 loan. And his statement on it was, we don't need $100,000 uh, pumped into our business right now. Uh, we want $5,000 pumped mm. into our business. But, mm. but, but banks uh, and many other uh, you know, venture capitalists aren't looking to invest you know, at such small rates. Uh, and it's been great for his business. He's been able to add two more employees and uh, add machines and, and exactly what you know, we think the American uh, you know, future or ideal should be.
0: And that's at that small, as you were saying, Mike, that small little business that makes a difference and hires more employees and shops in the local stores, and you know, cont- they're a small cog in this larger economic uh, wheel.
2: Right. Mike, which, which is, and I'm a big fan of Kiva, and actually, I'm active on Kiva by lending money on it, and I think it's a it's a great model. Kiva is actually now lending to businesses. Um, I think Patrick is alluding to um, that are in this country, actually. So it's not just third-world countries. But, but we, this is why the EVP has it, the only um, ca- capital network, we call it, in the county, which is helping people access um, like private equity funds, um, you know, angel investors, venture capitalists, and that sort of thing, which are otherwise hard to get the attention of if you're a business starting and needing capital so we've had and partners still on events that bring venture capitalists to the area and they look at local companies and they help fund them and sometimes money is not the solution sometimes advice is the solution mm. which is sometimes more powerful than money which is helping people to focus their business aspirations
0: we i'd heard it said i'm looking for wealth wit wisdom and work pick there two you go pick two of those. So having a funny guy who's going to work with you and, um, you know, in the tough times is always a great person to have a, as an advisor or on your board. I'm going to switch again. And another example I've learned of the collaboration up in the San Luis Obispo is the project called the Hothouse. Why don't you tell the people that are not Maybe have not heard about that before. The the person who's listening right now, what the hothouse is, and as an example of collaboration.
2: Oh, thank you for asking about that. So that's something the the region is very proud of. Um, and then again, this goes back to that that saying um, that the that the, the the quantum physicist asked, which was that there's a lot of room on the bottom, right? So I've always been a, uh, a fan of what I would call scrappy resources, right? So resources. Um, that helped the little guy get started, and I'm also always been a fan of business incubators. Um, business incubators have been around a long time, but there's different types. Mm. And in Silicon Valley, there were many that failed through the boom uh, because there were really more real estate deals right. than they were community resources. Um, so Cal Poly uh, helped start um, what's called the Slow Hothouse through through really the leadership of. A range of business leaders in this area who got together and said, "Let's start this." Um, then Cal Poly supported it, and now Cal Poly runs it with Judy Mahan at the at the helm there, and it's really phenomenal. It's uh, it's a, what was a medium sized incubator is now tripling its size in the coming months. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. three times the size. Wow. They um they've had phenomenal success with companies, um, including one that got bought by Google, huh. another one that um, everyone's very proud of that is. Again, it's not just about you know the next phone app. Um, these are people. It's a company called Inpress, which has developed a successfully developed a device which um, prevents the the number one um, killer of uh, mothers in the world, which is postpartum hemorrhaging, so bleeding to death by giving birth. Mm. And they've developed a device which is in clinical trials in Asia. It's been worked successfully. And again, yet another example of a kind of company that is in the hot house that is now um, will succeed and uh, is in global markets, hopefully in the short, in the, short, uh, the near future.
0: I was, so it's, uh, it's a
2: tremendous resource. It's uh, affordable. It's also, for those interested, it, uh, it allows for business people that just rent a desk, but it's going to have uh, dozens and dozens of startups there, um, mostly young people out of Cal Poly um, and, um, who are really have the resources and the mentoring. Um, it's also lastly a the, the hothouse has also hosted our Small Business Development Center, oh, which, right. have, which are occur throughout the country, funded by the SBA, the Small Business Administration, which provides uh, world-class consultants to businesses at no cost. That's a tremendous thing. These are really phenomenal experts that provide world-class advice companies that are just in the gestation stage all the way through to growing um, and expanding. So very, very exciting. Um, I know that there's one, a similar um, um, incubator in Goleta yes. and in Santa Barbara at Synergy with Michael Holiday. So these are very exciting. And I think this is sort of the future of local smaller economies is how do you help people start and expand businesses as opposed to the old model, which was a person has one job all their life with a big company. Um, that's changed, and I don't think that's ever. I don't think you can put that genie back in the bottle. I think no, that people have gotten a that. taste for that, and I think they that's here to stay, which is um, a positive trend towards entrepreneurship.
0: There was uh, oh six, I think it was six eight weeks ago, a little news story about an incubator that opened up here in Santa Barbara called Tech House. I'd not heard yes. about them, and I, I looked them up, and I it, it got me thinking, how many other incubators are there? And that led to accelerators, which led to co-working, which led to maker spaces, which led to the university-sponsored places for work, and which ended up in this hugely long blog post, which um, to this day people are still reading that because I think it's, Become like the, the one place on 805 Connect that has all of that articulated what, what you can do and what's happening in the region. And I think that the, one of the values that serves is to um, have these people start to work together. I think what Judy's doing uh, at the Slow Hothouse is, is just spectacular. And I encourage uh, the people that I meet when they're talking about incubators and accelerators and getting into that business. Go talk to Judy and and find out why why is that working why, when you walk into that building there is a there is a buzz that you can feel and there's an energy and I'm you know at my ripe old age having my first business when I was 12, I still remember exactly what that felt like and be and I didn't have a place where I could go where I was surrounded by other people like that and that is such an important hog in the whole economic development uh, machine I'm, I'm thrilled that you're a part of that Mike I'm thrilled that you and I are working together on 805 connect you you continue to uh, keep me enthused and and uh, I love coming up to visit and, and meeting people up there uh, we'd love to in, invite you back on for another conversation I want to so because we didn't even get into the whole clusters we didn't talk about broadband there's, there's so many things, and yet our 45 minutes has evaporated. Mike, well, thank you so much for being a part of this 805 conversation. As you know, uh, part of the project is to be a catalyst for conversation and to uh, have the people that might not hear these interesting stories get a chance uh, to uh, download the podcast from iTunes and be involved and, and start thinking about these issues regionally and where they fit in the food chain. So I think you gave us a really good example and some, gosh, some aspirational stuff, Jamba Juice and Spice Center. Well, those are great stories, and mind-body doing a great job. So, Mike, thanks so much. How do people get in touch with you if they want to learn more?
2: They can go to our website or call us. Our website is sloevc.org, and the phone number here is area code 805. 805- 788 and they can also find us on 805 connect
0: i love that thank you mike you thanks so much and i also want thank to you. thank thanks to patrick at pull for helping us create these 805 conversations and to and bose then. who generously provided the amazing headphones we're using uh this is uh, uh, i can't stop talking about them. They're fantastic. And in fact, they're not an official sponsor. They just sent these to us and said, we hope these help. We also want to thank local tech company Cielo24, who provides the searchable captions for these podcasts. So when people are Googling San Luis Obispo, business and entrepreneurs, might guess what podcast is going to come up? This one. So until next time, this is Mark Sylvester, your host for 805 Conversations.